Production. Recorded live. Welcome to Evolution Revolution with Dulcinea. It is a time of remembrance and joyful celebration this Christmas holiday. Only when we embrace the current moment can we truly experience the freedom, joy, peace, light, and love that the loving infinite universe offers to each and every one of us on earth. Empower yourself and transform your inner experience by acknowledging the power of now, today. Evolution Revolution is focused on offering the listeners intuitive and balanced information that fosters transformation both personally and globally, ultimately raising the consciousness on planet Earth. I am a metaphysician, clairvoyant and clairaudient intuitive, a writer, public speaker, PR and marketer, personal advisor to visionaries, leader, and spiritual teacher. Please explore more on my website at www.evolutionrevolutionradio.com or www.dulcineasdivinevision.com. Thank you for joining the show wherever you may be listening. On Evolution Revolution, I am honored to have an appearance from Robert Friedman, discussing and sharing the recently released children's parable that he co-wrote with world-renowned author Eckhart Tolle that gently reminds people of all ages to readily embrace the happiness that each moment offers in the spirited book, Milton's Secret, an adventure of discovery through then, when, and the power of now. Eckhart Tolle is a world-renowned spiritual teacher and author of The Power of Now and the number one New York Times bestseller, A New Earth, which was on Oprah's book club selection and has been published in 33 languages. Through his publications and audio CDs, which includes Stillness Speaks and the upcoming Oneness with All Life, inspirational selections from A New Earth, he has touched millions of people around the world with his extraordinary messages about the end of suffering and the way to peace. In Milton's Secret, An Adventure of Discovery Through Then, When, and the Power of Now, Eckhart extends his powerful and timely teaching to our youth. With the same clear voice but using a language and idiom for young readers, Eckhart conveys through realistic stories teachings that will help our youth to heal and to find their worth. When addressing live audiences, several times Eckert has mused on the possibility that one day the truth will even be taught in schools. With the publication of Milton's Secret and a planned series of books for different age levels, that possibility has arrived. Robert S. Friedman has taught university English, been a freelance photographer, and the managing editor of a city magazine. He has an MFA in writing from the University of North Carolina at Greensboro, was the president and co-founder of the Donning Company Publishers, where he published pictorial histories, regional books, cookbooks, science fiction, fantasy, and metaphysics spirituality. He is the president and co-founder of Hampton Roads Publishing Company, which has published in the genres of metaphysics, spirituality, fiction, children's books, health and wellness, and philosophy new thought including the world-famous Conversations with God series of books by Neil Donald Walsh, Lynn Grabhorn's Excuse Me, Your Life is Waiting, and Messiah's Handbook by Richard Bach. He has published over 1,000 titles in over 34 years in the business, pioneered the publication and marketing of the first science fiction trade paperback line, the Starblaze Editions, and the first line of graphic novels, the ElfQuest series and had numerous books on the national bestsellers list, including five on the New York Times list and dozens of titles in over 30 languages worldwide. Welcome, Bob. Thank you. It's an honor to have you appear on Evolution Revolution this holiday season. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Wonderful. So what was the inspiration for Milton's Secret, an adventure of discovery through the then, when, and the power of now, and bringing it to our young readers? Well, I think the first inspiration was probably uh, born from Neil Donald Walsh's book, The Little Soul and the Sun, which was uh, which came out of the uh, Conversations with God series, books one, two, and three. And he, too, wanted to bring that message, or at least part of that message, down into a level where children could, could could understand it. 
So um, I had met the the publisher, the president and publisher of uh, Namaste Publications, which is based in Vancouver, Canada, Constance Kello, and she had originally published The Power of Now, I think it was back in 1996. And um, we had met at a conference, and you know, I just talked to her about general metaphysical things, and we became friendly. And sometime thereafter, I suggested that uh, perhaps we put we put the power of now into a, you know the principles of the power of now into a children's book, which uh, Hampton Roads would publish. And she thought about that for a bit and decided that it would be a great idea. And Eckhart had always wanted to write a children's book, but he didn't know how to do that. So I said, no problem. We'll uh, we'll find a writer. We'll we'll have him approve it and you know put up, put whatever he wants in there. And and uh, she suggested we co-publish the book with with Namaste, which indeed occurred. And then we. Uh, went to contract on the co-publishing deal. And I thought, well, you know, maybe I'll give it a shot. I I can write a children's book. At least I thought I could. So I wrote the uh, spine of the story uh, for Milton and sent it to her. And she and Eckhart looked at it and liked it. And uh, the rest was kind of back and forth. And Changing and editing, and you know, till we finally got to the uh, to the final version. It took uh, probably six months to do that. It was uh, not an easy, not a, a a quick process by any means. But that's basically how it came about. Very empowering. So, how in the book Milton's Secret, how does Milton teach children in the story to embrace the moment full of peace and joy? Well, the story begins with um, with Milton as a you know a happy, well-adjusted uh, child who is in uh, in school, and he loves his his parents, and he loves his house, and he loves his cat, and he's just a just a happy little boy. But one day he he goes to school, and on the playground, a much larger boy comes over and uh, essentially bullies him. And it's it's a shock to him because he'd never encountered that kind of thing before. He begins he goes home and he's he's frightened of going back to school and he keeps you know thinking about it and thinking about it. So it, his grandfather essentially sees who's visiting the home, uh, sees that he's there's been a change in him and and he tries to draw him out as to what happened and Milton finally tells him. That, the concept is for the grand, the grandfather teaches him to to live in the now and not to uh, remember the past and have it impinge on his happiness in the present or fear the future, which also impinges on his happiness in the present. And if you think about it, everybody lives in the now. It, you know, the present is the only time we really have the, the past, even the the past of, say, you reading the entree to the program doesn't exist anymore. It's gone. And what's going to happen in 10 minutes hasn't happened yet. That's the future. So we all live in the in the present, in the moment. And uh, the problem with, with most human beings is that their ego loves to live in the past and live in the future. Because the ego's job is to create separation and to and to protect or what it thinks is doing is protecting the uh, the personality so it filters everything that happens in the present through the activities that have happened in the past and it also lives in the future in the sense that it, it creates a uh, anxiety or fear in many cases of what's going to happen the next day or the next week or the next year so consequently, most people can't live in the moment or enjoy the moment as much because they they keep fearing the future and remembering the past and filtering everything that's happening to them through 
through those things. So the yes. idea was to was to teach you know children how you know what what the now is, and, and the grandfather uses the you know the event of the bullying to uh, to teach Milton that that lesson. Yes, I I feel as if I feel as if that was an amazing lesson that we could all relate to in the experience of reading Milton's Secret and I believe reading Eckhart Tolle's series of books. He has several books that we're familiar with. Um, More recently, uh, the one that was on Oprah, A New Earth, and of course, The Power of Now. So bringing those metaphysical principles to children is opening a gateway to allow them to really learn to identify with the inner essence of who they are and reminding them of their inherent worth and their inherent value and the ability to live in the moment and radiate with who they are versus fear who they are. That's exactly right, yes. So would you like to, at this time, share some excerpts of Milton's Secret with our audience so they can see what you offer in the book? Yes, I could. Was there any particular passage that you liked or wanted me to read, or should I just start from the beginning and read a little bit? I think that you should start from the beginning and give people a tease, and then they can pick up the book and finish it off. That would be a good idea. I don't want to read the whole thing, because then all the suspense will be gone. Certainly. (laughs) Plus, they wouldn't have the uh, benefit of the pictures, which are really nice, too. I would have to agree that Frank Riccio did an amazing job with the illustrations. That Just the illustrations are a good vibration and inviting to the eyes and the experience. Yes, thank you. Frank was also the illustrator for the Little Soul books. There are two of them now. And uh, he was actually picked from a, uh, a nationwide search that Neil conducted. Uh, and he actually lives probably no more than a mile from my office right here in Charlottesville. Oh, wow. <laughs> Synchronicity. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was ter- you know, terrifically synch- synchronous that he was chosen to do it. All right, well, let me uh, begin. And it begins very simply. Milton, a bright and cheerful boy, loved life. He loved his mom and his dad and his nice house. He loved his cat, Snuggles. He loved school and his teacher, Mrs. Ferguson. He loved to play dodgeball at recess. But most of all, he loved going to the ice cream shop with his dad after dinner to get his favorite Sunday. One day at school, he was playing catch with his friend, Timmy, when a mean-looking, much bigger boy named Carter walked over to him, screwed up his face, and said, Milton... What kind of name is Milton, you weirdo? Suddenly he pushed Milton so hard that he stumbled and fell to the ground, scraping both knees. Used and frightened, Milton fought back his tears. Just then Mrs. Ferguson ran over and took him by the hand. Go back to your classroom at once, she said to Carter. While walking away, Carter glanced back at Milton, mumbling something under his breath that sounded like, I'll get you next time. In the evening, his parents and his grandpa Howard, who was visiting with them, noticed he wasn't the same Milton. He didn't smile much, he picked at his food, and he wasn't even excited about going to the ice cream shop after dinner. What's the matter with you, Milton? Is something wrong, his mother asked. No, nothing, said Milton. That night, Milton couldn't get to sleep. He was thinking about what had happened and what would happen when he ran into Carter the next time. Why did he pick on me, he kept thinking over and over. Why me? What's he going to do to me next time? The more he thought about all this, the more frightened he became. He thought about it so much that he became more and more scared until he completely forgot that he was in a warm bed in his little room. I think I'll stop there. Okay, great. So it's it's leading people into the experience that he had encountered a bully on the playground 
and that had shifted his demeanor um, greatly from being a joyful, happy, loving child. And when he came home, there was notice of that change in behavior. And then the story can lead us into the principles. And, of course, we'd like to let everybody know that they can order the book on the Hampton Roads website. Um, there's a, today a 25% savings on the book at www.hamptonroadspub.com. Again, that's www.hamptonroadspub.com. And also you can find Eckert on the web at www.eckertpolle.com. Thank you, Robert. That was a great introduction for, it, for people who haven't picked up the book yet and allows us to lead us into some questions about what does the power of now and how does Milton's secret overlap with that powerful teaching? in the book? Well, the power of now um, was a, a phenomenon, really, in publishing in the sense that when Constance Kello published it in, in Vancouver, she was essentially not a publisher at all. She was just a, a woman that Eckhart had met and uh, went up to and said, you're going to publish my book. And, of course, she was not in the publishing business. She... Um, didn't know anything about it, but he insisted that she was going to be the one, so she did it. She actually published the book and had no means to distribute it or anything, just went around to a few bookstores in the area or wherever she happened to be and, and tried to get a few in there, and she uh, she got the book into the stores, a few of them, and it began to sell by word of mouth. And this took a while. It took probably almost a year before it started to sell in the in the way that a, a distributor, for example, would pick it up. A bookstore owner would call the distributor and say, you know, there's this book called The Power Now. People are buying this thing. I've never heard of it, never heard of the publisher. But maybe you ought to look at carrying it. And so she finally got it into this distributor in Canada, which is called Dempsey, out of Vancouver. And uh, they got it further you know, further out into the into the Canadian bookstore market. And again, word of mouth just kind of took it. It was like a wave, you know. And uh, the distributor actually called a publisher in the United States called uh, New World Library out of uh, Nevada, California. And uh, they picked up the book and put it out, and it became... Uh, kind of a bestseller in the United States uh, about a year after they put it out. But it wasn't really until the new, a new Earth was picked up by Oprah that, that Eckhart became um, you know, a huge bestseller. She turned the New Earth into the number one New York Times bestseller. and uh, He sold about 10 million books uh, this year alone, I think. And of course, The Power Now is in over 30 languages and is getting across the world, but it's, the, go ahead. I was going to say it's the zeitgeist. It's definitely the spirit of the times. It was just time for the message for humanity. There's no question about it. I mean, there's there's some books that just uh, sell by word of mouth. Conversations with God was another example of that. We were a fairly small publisher when we put it out, and it just the word of mouth just kind of took it over and. Uh, we couldn't even get it into Barnes and Noble when we first put it out. Wow. So uh, it, you know, it kind of took over and started to sell by word of mouth, which is really the strongest way that you can sell a book. It doesn't matter if you advertise it or or do anything to a book, and unless people are telling other people about it, it's not going to go anywhere. So uh, we were fortunate, and they were fortunate that that phenomenon actually occurred. Um, your question about the power of now, um, it's really just a ba about trying to, uh, to show people how by living in the now they can create more joy and peace in their life instead of uh, living in the past or living in the future. And he does it in a, in a way that just uh, 
know, it's very clear and very powerful in, in, the, in the message. They're very profound, uh, but they're very simple teachings as well. Yes, and they really, I believe the messages really go out to the hearts of all people. I think it's a great book for um, children as well as adults because, again, these principles that are presented are universal principles. There is no age bracket. <laughs> yes, they are, and if the parents can teach the children, that, that's even better. But, you know, very young children, uh, probably until two or three years of age, do live in the now. You know, they, they do it naturally because they don't have the, the ego mechanisms yet to worry about, you know, what happened the, yesterday or what's going to happen tomorrow. They just kind of enjoy what's happening in the moment. Um, and that... Go ahead. Go ahead. And that was illustrated in the book until Milton encountered a fear-provoking situation. Right, right. Even though he's older, he's uh, he's like seven or eight years old, um, he'd never encountered that kind of thing before that was a you know a traumatic experience that would have him uh, recapitulating the past over and over again. Certainly, which we as adults can all relate to at one point in our life when life is too much. We have financial concerns, as we do, many of us do in the economy today, or just everyday worries. We can find ourselves living in the fear of the past or in the treachery of the potential future. And Milton finds some amazing experiences or analogies in the story. For instance, the principle of animals and how animals can remind us that embracing the moment and being in the joy of the moment can really tap us in to that enlightened moment of now. Would you like to elaborate on that ele- the element of animals and the power of now and how that was incorporated with Milton's experience? Well, yes, the Snuggles, the cat, um, Milton's cat, uh, one day gets uh, mauled by a a Doberman pincher who lives across the street and somehow got out. It's kind of a mean dog and wasn't trained very well. And he sees Snuggles comes home and he's uh, kind of all beaten up. He's bloody, his ears bloody, you know, he's He's really kind of hurt, but not hurt enough to go to the vet. But So they clean him up, and then Milton notices that about, you know, 10 minutes later he's there on the couch snuggling with him, and uh, he's purring and just kind of living in the moment. So he asked his grandfather, you know, how can Snuggles be so happy when he just got beaten up about a half an hour ago? Mm-hmm. <laughs> And Grandpa Howard says, well, cats live in the now. Cats live in the moment. You know, they don't they don't remember or they don't repeat, keep thinking about the past. And that's how he introduces him to the concept of, of the now but through the cat. Very clever. Very, clever. very clever. I think as children and adults, again, we can relate to animals, their, their innocence and their purity and the fact that they don't hold against us something we did a week ago. They just love us in, in each and every moment. I think that that's always a great reminder and an inspiration of how animals can heal us and allow us to embrace the moment. Mm-hmm. Which is what The Power mm-hmm. of Now is about in, in the book. It's, uh, just, but he puts it in such a, an uncomplicated way such a powerful way. I mean, it's not a it's not a new idea. It's a, it's in lots of books, Course in Miracles, uh, even Conversations with God, almost even the Bible. It's all it's it's not a secret. <laughs> but the way he does it, um, the way Eckhart put it in into the power of now is just uh, is what was so compelling about it, and and why it, it sold so well. Yes, there was a lot of power in bringing a concept that we have as humans complicated over decades or or centuries. <laughs> He's, he was able to really simplify the concepts and really allow the concepts to ring to truth 
to, to several individuals across the globe, independent of socialization or culture or religion. It was just ringing the universal truth that love is available now, peace is available now, and, and many other wonderful emotions and experiences. And to tap those emotions, it's important to just simply remember that now is all there is. Yes. And for, for Eckhart, that came out of a, a traumatic experience as well. I don't know if you're familiar with the story or or many of the listeners are, but there was a time when uh, when Eckhart was was about to commit suicide. He was depressed and he had really just uh, decided, almost you know, intellectually, logically, you know, I'm going to end this life. And and he's sitting there thinking, um, and the thought comes into his mind. I can't live with myself any longer. And at that moment, he had almost like an epiphany because as soon as that thought crossed his mind, he he, he had the following thought, I can't live with myself. There must be two of me. It was like that thought came to his mind. What else is there? There's this me, which I think is me, which he's thinking is the ego, which most people identify with completely, is their ego. But there was something beyond the ego. He said, there must be something beyond the ego. And he started to, it got him so excited that he forgot about committing suicide, and he started to research what this higher consciousness was that he could sometimes access. And... uh, I think, I don't know how long thereafter, but he had, I guess, what some people call a kundalini experience where the the energy comes up from the base of the spine and goes all the way up through your spine and out the top of your head or something. I've never had one of those, but some people equate it with an enlightenment experience or samadhi. And he had one of those, and, and he became almost completely able to to live in the now, and he actually sat on a park bench for like six months of his life in, in this state of complete uh, enlightenment in the sense that, you know, everything that was happening to him, everything that he saw, he was just, in you know, embrace, he would embrace as, as the now, as, as the present moment. And people would come over and he'd talk to them and, you know, they would take care of him, they'd feed him. You know, he had a. I think he had a small room in a house somewhere that he was living, and people would just take him home, put him to bed. He'd come back the next day, sit on the bench. And uh, that experience gave him an experience of what it was like to be in the now. And, uh, he's, uh, he gradually came out of it. I think. He, I think you almost have to, or you may not survive. But he always remembered that, and that's when he started to write The Power of Now. That is an amazing story, and I actually wasn't familiar with that depth of his story. And I think that, again, many of us can relate to our deepest, darkest moments have the equal and opposite potential of light. The law of physics, Newton's law, as far Mm -hmm. left as as far right. So when we go into that left or darkness, we have that equal and opposite potential to go into the right or the light. And Eckert is a wonderful example, as you've just demonstrated in that story, of being able to be in the darkness, acknowledge the darkness, stare at the darkness, and even contemplate ending the darkness on some level. And then to have an awakening, a destiny's calling, I would say that that was for him, an awakening that allows him to then not only transform his own life in that equal and opposite potential of light, but to transform the human conscious pool with his next creative work, which was the power of now. That is an amazing and inspirational story. Well, I think it happens to all you know, great teachers. Uh, most of the time, unfortunately, it sources out of something negative. You, know, you lose a a relative or a child or a husband or a wife or something, and it just starts you to thinking about what's life all about, you know, why are we here, what's the purpose. And uh, 
you know that that kind of triggers that uh, that seeking in, in human beings. Negative yes. experiences can do that. Yes, yes, and you've demonstrated again in that story where Eckert was in his darkness, and then he was able to take some time and be in stillness. And we all know stillness speaks, and be on that park bench and really learn to embrace the now before he could actually articulate what it meant through his teachings that resulted in the power of now. And I think that's a very important principle of really taking time to process what embracing the now would be. And in Milton's secret, in the book, Milton does that with the assistance of his loving grandfather when he gently reminds him to release his focus upon the then and when and then kindly redirected him to the present now. Right. Um, And I think most people, they don't even realize it, but they filter almost everything through their past experience. Um, A friend of mine, for example, uh, I had said to her something that triggered something in the past, and and uh, she made the statement, my mother did this to me. You're doing the same thing. Well, that's taking the past and overlaying it on the present because I'm not the mother. You know, it, it creates that. It brings up the anger, the conflict from that thing that might have happened 25 years ago or 30 years ago, but it's still there in the mind. You're doing the same thing as my mother did. The ego loves that because it loves conflict. It can keep you separate and control your feelings and emotions and, and feel important about it. And what we can do is we can choose to observe that it was in the past that that your mother or your father or whoever did this to you or did that to you. You observe it, you forgive it, you move on. You don't have to be you know, triggered by it or... or, or fall into that emotion that creates the anger and the conflict. The key to staying in the now is to observe when you have that knee-jerk reaction triggered by the past. And then if you observe it, you're aware of it, and you can do something about it. You can control your reaction. You can say, your higher consciousness can say, oh, I see that. I'm, I'm letting this past judgment affect my present." I can choose not to do that. I don't have to accept more judgment from uh, anyone, the present, the future, the past, whatever. You just choose not to accept the judgment, and you point it out to yourself calmly, you observe it, and then you say, uh, or you can get very angry and say, you know, my mother did that stuff, and you're just like her. Mm -hmm. Projection. Yeah, and you project that onto someone else because, you know, you may have lost trust, you know, by let's say that in your first marriage your husband cheated on you, so you you look at everybody from that point on as, as uh, all men are, are cheaters. And that can control everything about your relationships in the future or in the present. Or you can say, you can observe that, you know, be aware of it and say, okay, so-and-so cheated on me. That doesn't mean that so-and-so is going to. And then you're aware of what you're, where your thoughts are coming from and how they're controlling what's happening to you. That is very powerful. And again, in Milton's secret, Grandpa does a great job for Milton to demonstrate what you've just said. He he helps him to step back and observe himself, as well as the ice cream lady, <laughs> right. and and to really seek a higher conscious perspective, which is brought through in his discovery of the light. So let's touch upon light, and how does the power of light lead us to embracing the power of now? Well, it depends on how you how you interpreting light um if you're if you're interpreting light as awareness then 
that would fit in very very easily uh, you know throwing light on something is to become aware of it so that you you can react to it in a way out of out of awareness and not out of knee jerk um, reactions that are caused by past events is that how you you're looking at light or do you have another interpretation of that sure um i was i think i was referring to um the way that milton perceived the light and his ability to transform and become aware of how that can empower him to embrace the moment versus fear the moment you mean the light that the ice cream lady gave him in the dream yes yes yeah well that was a obviously a symbol of yes um, a symbolism uh, yeah symbolism of that everyone has this light inside them, which is a, a part of God and is a part of the higher consciousness. And you can choose to, you know, access that light and let it kind of come forth, or you can keep it suppressed, which the ego tries to do in order to maintain separation. See, the ego gets its identity from separation. And the light kind of overpowers that. The, the light that comes from inside and can, can come out, you know, if you allow it to. Uh, is that how you're interpreting light? Yes, yes, very much. So um, that's the way that I perceived it when I read the book, and also just perceiving it as opposite of the of the fear or right. ego. <laughs> As well, we all can relate to very humbly. <laughs> I mean, I can I can read that passage in the book if you like. But oh, that'd be great. It's um, it's actually comes to him in a dream. It's not a because in real life the the ice cream lady doesn't even exist. Remember, that, that's, sure, but, sure. But she comes into him and, and she comes into him in a dream and and. I don't know. Maybe you want me to read the whole passage. Um, sure. What what you feel is relevant to to help elaborate on our point. Okay. Um, he he's in the dream. He's running uh, from the dog. His name is Brutus, and also from Carter. He's it's one of those chasing dreams, and he he sees his door, and it's, it's the lights behind it, and it's called. And then on the door it says, "Enter now." So he he walks in the door and there's the ice cream lady, who is the one who serves him his you know his Sundays when he goes down to the shop. And she says, "Sit down, honey. Let me show you something." Says the ice cream lady. The new Sunday of the month, Choco Cadabra. No, it's something even better. She replies. She reaches under the counter and takes out a ball of glowing white light on an ice cream dish. Milton has a strange feeling that the light is alive. That's no ice cream, says Milton. What is it? It's a light bubble, honey. Isn't it beautiful? Right then, the light bubble goes pop, burst into a shower of sparkles. Milton is left staring at the empty dish. Oh, no, it's gone, says Milton. No, it isn't, says the ice cream lady. The light just doesn't like to be looked at, so now it's hiding. See if you can find it. Milton looks all around the room, but no matter how hard he looks, he can't see any light bubble. Suddenly he notices a strange noise, like a little electric engine. Purr, 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 purr. That sounds like Snuggles, of course. There he is, sitting on the counter with his eyes half closed, purring blissfully. What's he doing in the ice cream shop anyway? For a moment, Milton thinks he sees a glow coming from inside Snuggles, and he asks the ice cream lady, is the light bubble hiding in Snuggles? Well done, she says, but the light is not a bubble anymore. It's just light, and the cat is purring because he can feel it, and it feels good. Where else is the light hiding, she then asks, as she smells the flower on the counter. Milton sees a tiny glow in and around the flower. Is it? He starts, yes, it is, says the ice cream lady, interrupts. The light is in the flower, too. That's why it's so beautiful. Anywhere else? 
Milton looks into her big brown eyes. Your eyes are so bright, he says. I think the light is in you, too. I'm going to stop there. Okay, good. So it's just finding the light and, and reminding us that the light is there. And, of course, it comes through a chasing dream, which I think we've all had at one point or another in our dream space, really yeah. representing our fears. Sure. And then right. it, it... Please go. The, the light is really just uh, what what she's trying to say is that the light is in everything, not just everything alive, but in everything physical. That it's the light that creates physical reality and life as we know it. And of course, some people would call the light, you know, God or consciousness or whatever, but but that's that's what it is. The light being the source of creation and realigning with that source of creation subsides fears. Right, because you know you're you're part of a of a greater whole, of a greater consciousness, of a greater source. Which uh, the ego, by the way, tries to uh, separate you from. Most certainly, we can relate to that. <laughs> in, in the New Earth, uh, Eckhart talks about how the ego works, and, and it's mostly a book about the ego and how it works and why it works the way it does to to create uh, separation. Yes, and that that is an important point, as we've dem- has has been demonstrated through Oprah's show and through the sales of the book, because we all are here on this earthly journey as spirits, trying to return to that oneness in a in an existence of duality. I mean, it sounds some, to some people, you know, this is New Age gobbledygook and airy-fairy, but, I mean, if you look at it, it it's, it's the source of all the conflict on the planet, this, this living in the past and, and fearing the future. Um, that's why countries go to war. That's why uh, they don't forgive. They, they they tend to harbor these these hatreds and, and conflicts for centuries and centuries, and it's still going on today. Most certainly, and the conflict that Milton encountered that led him to this fearful dream and and leading to the light with the ice cream lady was bullying, and the remedy for the bullying. Um, according to Milton's secret, is if we can feel the light within, we can embrace the joy and love of now and not look to our past to interpret the moment or the future and not look to the future to create a recurring fear experience. So just again, the remedy that I perceived from the bullying from Milton was just allowing the light within to be his source of comfort and that would allow him to proactively encounter what the world will present in each moment. Yes, that's exactly right. Uh, you've obviously read the book. <laughs> Good. <laughs> so, no you dedica- <laughs> so you dedicated this book to your three children. How did they inspire you in co-writing the story of Milton? Well, actually, there's four of them. But, uh, oh, oh, okay, I just only saw three in the beginning. uh, Nope, there's Jonathan, Matthew, Mark, and Sophia. Thank you for the correction. (laughs) Well, I better say that or they're going to get upset. (laughs) Please forgive me. (laughs) So how did they inspire you? They inspire me every day because just being there. You know, two of them are not really children anymore. One's two of them are in their 30s. And my second wife I had children that are now 14 and 10, so I'm a little closer to that, that age Seriously. level. Mm-hmm. But, have uh, they enjoyed the book? They say they have. That's all I can go by. Certainly, certainly. So you have a near and dear experience with raising younger children in the last, you know, 15 years or so. That reminds you of the importance of healthy self-development, health, healthy self-esteem, and helping them to proactively 
encounter conflicts such as bullying or teasing about name names or or any of the circumstances that you know begin to arise in a societal form through the through the classrooms and through life and so that that probably assisted you uh, through your inspiration in writing Milton's secret secret with Eckert to really reiterate the value of this message yes, it certainly helped and of course. You know, remembering my own my own childhood too. You know, that didn't hurt. I think most kids have been through some sort of a bullying experience in their lives, uh, boys and girls. Although the girls tend to be more verbally uh, bullying than than boys, they're more physically. They express it more physically than girls. But girls have that. You know, they do the same thing with their with their tongues in many ways. You know, That's very true. But it, That's true. You know, the, the, the verbal bullying is just as uh, emotionally effective as, as physical bullying for, for a boy. But anyway, you know, that, that, that didn't inspire me to, to the whole story. I think Eckhart had quite a bit to do with it. Sure, uh, sure. You know, but it was I, certainly... Have have the experience of having kids didn't didn't hurt for sure. Yes, and you know I work with youth as well as as work on the radio show, and and they're one of my passions. And one of the currently one of my um, young ones is she's fourteen, and so she's just developing her her true sense of who she is. And I just see that when I work with her and remind her that her power comes from within, and being a positive light to others, it really has helped her to open up. And I shared this book with her as well, and I asked her what she gained from that. And she said that it really helped her to not fear what the next day would bring because it taught her that she within herself could know how to manage it where she felt good. And so I thought, well, number one, it's a successful message. But number two, what an empowering gift to hand these children because I know just within my own experience these principles that were presented in Milton's Secret and The Power of Now didn't get to my hands till I was probably 16 to 18 years old. Mm-hmm. And if we can bring this message to children even younger, it gives them the opportunity to grab these what I would call tools and perceptions that allow them to embrace the light and live in the unity and the oneness even sooner, therefore creating a better experience for them. Yeah, I think we would have all been better off had we known this stuff a long time ago. <laughs> Certainly. <laughs> <laughs> Which I had, I know that. But you know, again, you can't you can't go back in the past and, and regret it or, or worry about it. Just worry about where you are now. It doesn't mean you can't plan for the future and. Um, you know, do things that are required in your life to you know, save money or, or whatever. But um, the idea is not to, to let the past or the future control you to the extent that you can't enjoy the present. That's yes. the, the whole key. Of the, that's the whole message. Eckhart is always saying, you know, go out into the forest and look at the trees and smell the flowers and, and breathe the air and just, just be there, just just be in nature because nature is in the present. You know, a tree is not worrying about whether it's going to get cut down in a month. It just, <laughs> it just lives. You know, it's just there. It shows up for life. <laughs> right. I think that's very true, and nature has, for me, been um, probably my greatest lesson. I started out in a bio, as a biology major in college, and that led me to seeing the ecology and the detailed cellular levels of life. And so I then had to, I chose to move to the Redwood Forest um, for several months to really allow me to, to do what Eckert has recommended, and that is just really find the present moment because there's a stillness that nature has that allows our ego for a brief moment to release, to let go, to just give up for a moment that that need for separation. And then it gives the universe the opportunity to really flood um, a person with the unity and the oneness and, like you said, the present moment. 
Yes, indeed. Uh, that's that's uh, what nature does, and uh, that's why it's so important to be able to, the old cliche, you know, smell the flowers. <laughs> Most people don't have time to smell the flowers. You know, they don't. They think, uh, oh, I'll smell the flowers next week, you know, and they never get to it because they're too busy, you know, worrying about what's going to happen next next day or next week or next month. And that couldn't be more relevant than today. I mean, our economy is in the worst um, shape that it's been in decades. And and so it's, this is a very uh, timely message to help all adults and children remember to stop projecting fears into the future and to live happily in the moment. You can find Milton's Secret on the web at www.hamptonroadspub.com. You can also find Eckert Tolley on the web at www.eckerttolley.com. The book is available for purchase either on www.hamptonroadspub.com for a 25% savings today, or you can also find it on Amazon.com, you know, www.amazon.com. So, Robert, what is the next step or the next inspiration for Eckert with children's um, stories, and will you be participating in those? Well, we're working on a second book where actually Milton becomes friends with Carter, and we find out why Carter's a bully, which uh, is important too. Um, yes. We also have signed an option for a, a company in Los Angeles is going to make a live-action film of Milton's Secret, uh, for not for theatrical release, but for DVD. You know, for children's uh, DVD sales and in retail stores and perhaps maybe a cable showing on television. And that's exciting because that's going to get the message out to a, a lot more people. Yes, yes, that's called great. Peace Arch Entertainment out of Los Angeles, the producers of uh, Barnett Bain, who was uh, a producer of many spiritual uh, spiritual entertainment uh, shows uh, in, in years past, including uh, What Dreams May Come, which is a wonderful film with Robin Williams. Oh, yes, near and dear to my heart. He was a, produ- a co-producer of that film. So uh, it's in good hands, and uh, hopefully it will be out next fall, uh, along with the second Milton book, although we don't know for sure when that will be available. Well, we do have plans to do a whole series of books on Milton. How exciting. Well, this is the first of many great tools for adults and children to come. Again, Milton's Secret, An Adventure of Discovery Through Then, When, and the Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle and Robert S. Friedman. Thank you so much, Robert. We are so excited to look forward to the book next year and and the um the the film, the DVD release and potentially the cable the cable release. That's very exciting. And again, it just shows the zeitgeist of this message. Living in the now is where true power, true happiness, and authentic enlightenment can enter. Well, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure talking with you. And I hope we can get that little message out to a few people. Most certainly. Your higher self is the true you, the eternal, infinite, limitless, and all-encompassing you in this very moment. Seeking to align yourself with the higher essence of who you are on a moment-to-moment basis can empower you to shine, experience bliss, happiness, and the path to true enlightenment. Look within and begin to explore your infinite and most divine treasure chest full of unconditional love, joy, truth, awe, beauty, peace, and compassion. For you are your own best master, teacher, and healer this miraculous Christmas day and every day. Next week on New Year's, January 1st, 2009, Richard Lawrence will appear on Evolution Revolution with a two-hour New Year's 2009 special. During the first hour, Richard will guide you to unlock your psychic powers with his latest book release, And be sure to join us during the second hour when Richard will unveil the mysterious truth about UFOs. Richard and I truly look forward to you joining us for our most special 2009 New Year's broadcast of Evolution Revolution. 
On January 8th, Eliza Matadalian will offer her wisdom and healing teachings that offer a refreshing perspective on healing and enlightenment, focusing on the transformation into the bliss and awe of one's divinely true being in her wondrous book release, In Search of the Miraculous, Healing into Consciousness. On January 15th, Bob Gebeline will offer his expertise and wisely examine the inaccuracies of the major belief systems and their contaminants in his latest book release, The Mental Environment, mostly about mind pollution. Warning, be prepared to assess your beliefs and their derived sources. On January 22nd, Ariel Ford will offer her latest book release, Perfect for Your Valentine's Desires and Romantic Destinies, The Soulmate Secret, for the first half hour. And during the second half hour, Peggy McCall will offer her fun new book release, Be a Dog with a Bone. On January 29th, Egan Sanders will appear with his fascinating new book release, The Magic Box, which is an inspiring story about the mysterious process of how our deepest desires come into being via the law of attraction and includes a how-to guide to manifesting your heart's desires. On February 5th, Dr. Daniel Condren will remind us of the wise formula for inner success and divine balance in his latest book release, The Still Mind, Present Moment, and Open Heart. Daniel explores how less thinking and more alignment with universal stillness enhances conscious choices and results in the stillness of the mind. On February 12th, Dr. Stephen Farmer, author, shamanistic practitioner, retired spiritual psychotherapist, ordained minister, and former college professor, will unveil his integrative expertise in his latest book release, Earth Magic. Stephen is also the author of Power Animals, How to Connect with Your Spirit Guides. And be sure to look under upcoming shows for many more, including Karen Anderson, Dr. Eric Pearl, Stephen Lewis, Carol J. Obley, Dr. Amit Goswami, Dr. Teresa Martin and Dr. Christine Madar, Ruth Probst, and Barbara Hanklau. You can purchase all of the author's books featured on Evolution Revolution at www.amazon.com or link up to their individual websites through the Evolution Revolution tab at www.evolutionrevolutionradio.com. Please join me in the upcoming weeks on the revolutionary independent production of Evolution Revolution. Additionally, please explore the Evolution Revolution archive shows with inspirational authors that can be found on the Evolution Revolution homepage or on iTunes for any time listening. The archive shows are available 24 hours a day to listen to and for downloading at no charge and include amazing talent such as Albert Clayton Golden, Barbara Marks Hubbard, Barbara Han Clow, Dr. Amit Goswami, Sarah McLean, Michael Tamura, Chrissy and Gary Blaze, Gary Zukoff and Linda Francis, Jeff Brown, Neil Donna Walsh, Charles Virtue, David Robert Ord, Dr. Betty Youngs, and more. Please share Evolution Revolution with others who may desire to join us in the future for an enlightening experience. I am a metaphysical teacher, healer, and spiritual counselor who offers clairvoyant readings and spiritual therapy via phone, allowing me to connect with people anywhere. You can find out more under the clairvoyant reading tab and the events and classes tab on my website at www.evolutionrevolutionradio.com. Also, please explore the relaunching of my new blog at www.evolutionrevolutionradio.com. Dot blogspot.com for weekly postings and guest announcements for Evolution Revolution. Co-create with Evolution Revolution. We are seeking partners to help Evolution Revolution evolve and expand to even more people across the globe. If you are interested in partnering and supporting the rapid development of Evolution Revolution, please explore the Radio Sponsors tab at www.evolutionrevolutionradio.com. I look forward to hearing from you about the infinite possibilities to co-create in the highest light and with the grandest intentions. Thank you for joining Evolution Revolution with my honored guest, Robert S. Friedman. Thank you so much, Bob, for coming on this, this hour. I'm so grateful. Thank you for having me. We look forward to hearing from you in the future as the rest of the series unveils itself. I look forward to that too. Thank you.
Great. Much gratitude to you for listening and supporting the revolutionary independent production of Evolution Revolution Radio. I wish you all abundant peace, joy, miracles, and love today and always. Happy holidays, abundant angel blessings. Good night.